Open your Bibles tonight. Let's go to the Word of God. John chapter number 4 tonight is where I want to bring our message from tonight. Again, thank you for coming out. Thank you for your faithfulness. And, uh, you know, the first night we preached from 1 Corinthians 15, 58, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And we, I, I encourage all of you to make this decision in your life. Number one, that you want to be a growing Christian. And number two, because, by the way, we never get too old to keep growing in the Lord. And so I encourage you to, to say to God, God, I want, to, I want to continue being a growing Christian. And number two, God, I give you permission to start a growth program in my life. And, and, I, and listen, don't be surprised. We talked about this, how that you, God will take you from your comfort zone to your fear zone to your obedient zone and then your growth zone. That's always the step when you grow in the Lord that you'll probably go through. Most people do. And then last night we talked about prayer. What do you desire when you pray? I gave you the quote of, uh, uh, of John Wesley where John Wesley said when we talked about prayer, if it doesn't matter to you, it probably doesn't matter to God. And I just ask you, what is your desire when you pray? Have a desire, have a passionate desire when you go to God in prayer. What are you, what are you praying for? I gave you a little outline last night that would help you, and I encourage you. Jesus said to his disciples, watch and pray with me with one hour, and I encourage you to establish the commitment to God that you will pray one hour in your, in your daily life. You can do it. As I said last night, if I ask how many of you people ever prayed an hour in your life, probably a few hands here. If I ask how many of you could pray for one minute, everybody would raise their hand. Well, all you got to do is do that 60 times. And if you'll organize your prayer life, I'm telling you, if you organize your prayer life, praying an hour won't be any problem for you whatsoever. You'll have to start rushing towards the end of it, I'll tell you for sure. So and tonight I want to talk to you about something else. Tonight I want to talk to you about some lies that Satan wants you to believe. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. First Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Notice what he says here. First of all, John says that Satan is a liar. And you know, uh, Satan has five avenues to approach you from. Our, our body has five senses. They are hearing, they are seeing, they are smelling, they are tasting and they are touching. Satan has five areas that he can regularly appeal to your body through one of those five. And I'm going to tell you something, that you are always constantly being under attack by Satan in one of those five areas in your life. And that's why, my friend, I, I've always told my people, you, you, you got to guard your life. You, you can't let yourself watch things and see things that, that doesn't glorify the God. You can't listen to things that don't glorify the God. If you do, you're setting yourself up for sin to take place in your life. I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. And, and so you, you've got to watch what you're doing. And, of course, he said here then for us to be sober and to be vigilant. The word sober means to be alert. Because Satan is always as that roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he said, therefore, be vigilant or to be constantly on guard in our life. You know, once a person gets saved, thank God salvation is uh, forever. We are saved. We're sealed by God Almighty. We don't do the saving. We don't do the keeping. God does the saving. God does the keeping. Thank God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. So when we get saved, 
Satan loses our soul. He cannot take our soul to hell. He can never take our soul away from God whatsoever. So, but once, Sa once Satan loses our soul, he then works to try to gain control over the influence of our life. He, he wants to use you. You know, uh, uh, if he can get you to conduct yourself around the people who, who, who you've told that you're a Christian to, if he can get you to fall and stumble, I mean, he'll make it very hard for those people to ever get saved. If he loses your soul, then he wants your life. And the only way that Satan can hurt God is by getting you to sin against God and hurt God. The Bible says, grieve not the Spirit. And I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when you and I, when we, we commit sin in our life, we bring grief to the soul of God Almighty. And all sin in our life that you and I involve ourselves in is always willing sin. Remember the old phrase, well, the devil made me do it. The devil's never made you do anything. The devil tempts you. The devil tempts all of us. But all sin that you do in your life and in my life is always willful sin. You, every sin you've ever committed in your life, you've always, you've always already given permission for yourself to do that. So be careful, my friend. The Bible tells us and warns us in regards to sin. The Bible does tell us there's pleasure in sin. But what does it say? It's only for a season. It's only for a season. Anybody tells you there's no pleasure in sin is lying to you. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. And, of course, Satan still uses the same old things, the lust of the eyes, uh, the, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You hear commercials on, on TV or radio all the time. You deserve this. You, you owe it to yourself to do this. No, you don't. You need to be aware of those things, how that Satan is always trying to work. And you need to realize this right here, that your body, the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, that you are carnal, sold under sin. Do you understand what that means, my friend? Your body, number one, is not spiritual. Number two, your body never will be spiritual. Your body has no capacity to be spiritual. Your body is carnal, sold under sin. And the last day you live on this earth, your body will crave some kind of sin. It always will. Your body has no capacity to be spiritual. Look at all the gospel messages that's gone out over this pulpit here. Is this pulpit spiritual? No. Why? It has no capacity to receive the spiritual things. And your body has no capacity whereby you can receive spiritual things. Now, when you get saved, Christ comes to live in us. And Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened or made alive. Oh, yes, that's what we got to work on. But your body is carnal, sold under sin. Now listen to me. Your body will never desire to read the Word of God. Your body will never desire to pray. Your body will never desire to, to witness and be a soul winner. Your body will never desire to tithe. You, your body and my body, our body, has no capacity for spirituality whatsoever. That's why we are to be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but we are to be filled with the Spirit and that we need to allow the Spirit of God to control us. If you live according to your own heart, I'm telling you something, you're going to go astray. I've heard people say, well, you know what? If I know my own heart, oh, stop it right now. Stop it right there. 
The Bible says the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? But yet so many Christians, they just say, well, I did this because I, I felt this was what was right. Hey, we don't live by feelings. We live by what thus saith the word of God. And you got to bring everything in your life through the filter of the word of God. Not if I feel like it, I don't feel like it. It feels good. It doesn't feel good. That has nothing to do with it. Let me give you some lies that Satan wants you to believe. Lie number one, you got a long life to live. Oh, you'll live a long time. You got a long life to live. Can I tell you this today? You don't have the promise of seeing the sun rise in the morning. Not one of us have, have that promise. Not one of us. I remember one time there was a young man when I first went to the church there at Bible Baptist years ago. There was a young man and, and he was uh, working for one of the men in our church there who owned a business and he was coming to church there and, and, and he made a profession of faith in Christ. And, and, and uh, he, he was only been out of high school about two years. And he was a, just a handsome-looking young man. Went out on a date. He and this girl were dating. They were going to get married. They had talked to me about marrying them. They go out on a date on Saturday night. Sunday morning, he always gets up and comes to church. His dad said he didn't get up. He didn't get up. This young guy now is about 19, 20 years of age. He didn't get up. His dad finally went in his room and said, are you going to go to church today or not? And his son did not answer him. A 19 and almost 20-year-old young man went on a date that night with his future fiance, came home, went to bed, had a heart attack, and died in his own bed before he turned 20 years of age. Another young man there in the church there, he was, when he was 19 years old, he got into boxing. He did very well. He was a very good boxer. And when he was a senior in high school, he was training to, to, to fight for the, the, well, what is it, the, the welterweight uh, championship. He was in the boxing club there. He got into the ring, and, and I mean, he was built, and he was a strong young man. Since, since he had been boxing since he was in the ninth grade. I don't know how many fights I've seen. I, I went to several of his fights. I saw him KO just about everybody I ever saw him fight. He, he knocked him right out. He was a big kid. He was a strong kid. He got in the ring, was just loosening up. All of a sudden, he hit the floor. He had an aneurysm they found on his head, and he died. He never fought that fight. You see, the Satan wants you to believe you've got a long life to live. You do not. Could I tell you one of the three biggest killers as far as young people are concerned today? The number one killer of young people is suicide. Isn't that sad? Do you realize in America today, there, there, are over, there are over 1,500 teenagers who attempt suicide every day in America? Over 1,500 kids. And we are living in a day and age today where kids have more than any generation of kids have ever had in their life. But yet 1,500 a day are attempting suicide. And I want you to listen to me. I don't care whether you're a teenager, whether you're a junior age kid, I, I, I've had kids who as young as in elementary school who, who have tried to cut their wrist to commit suicide, take pills to commit suicide. Now listen to me, I want to tell you something. I don't care who you are, I don't care how old you are. If you ever, if you ever, listen to me, if you ever have the thought of committing suicide, I want to tell you something, you have been listening to the devil. 
The Spirit of God will never tell you that. So if you ever even have that thought for a flash across your mind, realize you are entertaining the thoughts of the devil. The devil hates you and he wants to damn you in hell. Second killer of young people is alcohol and drugs. Alcohol and drugs. Overdose. And they lead then into the next thing, which is that of car wrecks, automobile wrecks, motorcycle wrecks. Oh, listen today. I'm telling you, the, the devil wants you to believe, oh, you got a long time to live. Can I tell you something? While I pastored, and I pastored a 40, almost 44 years, I, I kept a record of every funeral I ever preached. And in 44 years of pastoring, I preached the funeral of teenagers it was out of all of my preach, 40% of them were teenagers or young adults. You see, the old must die, but the young may die. None of us have the promise of tomorrow. The devil wants you to believe, oh, go ahead, live it up. Live up life. Have a good time. You, you got a long time to live. You don't know that. Lie number two. The devil wants you to believe you can play with sin and not get hurt. That's a lie. That's a total lie from the devil. There is no sin that you and I can take into our life that will not have a negative, painful, hurting consequence in our life. Listen to how it's contrasted in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 27. The, the question is asked, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? The obvious answer to both of those is, is no. And likewise, you and I, we cannot entertain sin and take sin into our life and it not have a strong negative impact in your life. It not happen. I remember reading the story years ago of the young man Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, the law, knows that he, he stalked and, and killed 36 women. He, he, he was a, a brutal murderer, but yet he sexually abused them before he would murder them. 36 women. James Dobson went and interviewed him. James Dobson asked him, how did you get going down this kind of road in your life? I've never forgot what I, what, what, what I read that interview that Dr. Dobson had, what he said. Ted Bundy said this. I got started one time. A, a, a kid at school gave me a pornographic magazine. And I took it home and I put it between my mattresses. And every night when my mom and dad would go to bed, I would take that mattress out. And with a little, a little pen light, I, I would look at those pictures. Every night I would look at those pictures. And, and, and I just did it every night. And so he became a serial killer of women. Let me tell you something. Don't you think for one moment you can look at pornography, whether it's in a magazine or on your computer, and it not affect your life. It's going to get you. It is going to get you. Another thing, sexual sins. Today, 
the world wants to make, makes it appear as though, well, it, it, today, it, can you believe now that they are in, in this administration, they are now saying that they need to start teaching sex education in kindergarten? Oh, God help us, are we depraved in this, in this nation of ours? I've heard it said time and time again years ago, if, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to resurrect Solomon and Gomorrah and apologize to them. I'm telling you, there might be some truth in that. I mean, not that we tell God what to do, but I'm telling you, you are a, you got a wicked, depraved mind if you think you need to teach sex education to K4 and K5 little kids. And I would say that I think it's even worse if mom and dad allows their kids to be in those kind of schools where they do that. You need to think about that. Sexual sins. How many times in my ministry have I dealt with couples that one or the other was unfaithful to the other? Can I read you what the Bible says? Proverbs 6 and verse 32. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doth it destroys his own soul. Do, do you, have you ever thought about what, what capacity or what the soul houses about you? What is it about you that, that lives and dwells inside your soul that's being destroyed? Could I tell you one thing? You're conscious. Now, don't misunderstand me tonight. I know God will forgive anybody that's committed that act of sin, and God will forgive you. And thank God for the forgiveness of God. But I'm telling you, don't do it because you'll have to live for that in your conscience for the rest of your life. I talked to a young man not long ago. I was preaching off in a distant city where I am now. I was talking to this young preacher uh, man, and he said to me, I messed up in my life when I was a young man. And he said, I want to tell you something. I still struggle with that mentally every day of my life. He says here that he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Your, the conscience is, is, it dwells in your soul. The, the power of reason is affected because it is a part of the soul. Your memory is a part of your soul. Your imaginations are active out of your soul. Your affections are, are, are functions out of your soul. So when, when a person messes up immorally, they impact their conscience, their reason, their memory, their imaginations, and their affections. Again, I'm not saying that you cannot be restored in fellowship with God or with your mate. I'm not implying that, and I pray to God if it happens to you that you are. But I, the better thing is, is don't be deceived. Listen to this. He goes on to say, the person that does that, they'll get a wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. Proverbs 5 and verse 9, lest thou give thine honor unto others. And that word honor there is where we get our word for honorarium or the financial increase. It will cost you in your life financially when you make those kinds of decisions. The years under the cruel, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of the stranger, and thou mourn at last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. What is it saying? It'll haunt you all the way to the grave. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just simply stop it right there. Don't 
do it. And then today, oh boy, the sin of alcohol today. And today, I ain't talked to the preacher, but I tell you what, alcohol is still a curse of the devil. Yet today, you won't find very many churches in America today that will stand up and preach anything or say anything negative about alcohol. And may I say to you that the Lord talks about new wine in the Bible, and that's not fermented wine. Alcohol. Oh, I'm just going to play around with it. I just want a little bit here, a little bit there. That's how it all starts for everybody. You know, I don't know if I hadn't got saved whether or not I'd, I would ever become an alcoholic or not. My dad, I told you, my dad was an alcoholic. I've seen my dad, and we lived in a little shanty of a house, and, and he poured a little concrete pad on the back of it, about as wide as this, and it went maybe about seven or eight feet. I've seen my dad lay out there day and night, day and night on that concrete with his head on a pillow. And when he had run out of booze, he had crawled to a little storage room we had over there and he would get him another bottle and come back and lay there. I've seen him do that for two and three weeks at the time. My dad's life was largely impacted by alcohol. I never, I never knew what it was to live in a home that there was not alcohol in it. And I can tell you what, it was a lot of hell in our house because of alcohol. I want to read you what the Bible says about it. Proverbs 23 and verse 29 says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has babblings? Who has wounds without causes? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it moveth itself in the, in the color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. The, the Lord said, don't even look at it, let alone drink it. Well, I, 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 I can handle my alcohol. That's what every addict always says. I have counseled many alcoholics, and every one of them always tells. And I can remember my dad saying, I can stop drinking anytime I want to. And that's a lie. And I told you this week also, the worst lie you'll ever believe is when you believe your own lie. When you believe your own lie, that's the worst lie you'll ever, ever believe. And I say to you tonight, if you, if you, it, 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 and you know what? I'm not saying that every person who ever takes a drink will become an alcoholic. I, I did not say that. But I do say this, you are a potential alcoholic. If you don't ever take the first one, you'll be all right. Can I say to you, I have dealt with young people who were alcoholics in high school, and you know where they got it? From the culvert in their own house where their dad and mom bought it and brought it in. You see, the devil says, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And I want to tell you something else. Because churches say it's okay does not make it okay. You better go to the book. This is not original with me. I've heard it most all my Christian life, but I want to use it here in my message. You've heard it too, but I want to remind you, and that is this. Sin will take you farther than you ever tended and gone going. Every alcoholic I've ever dealt with, every drug addict I've ever dealt with, they all say the same thing. Oh, I can stop anytime I want to. That's a bald-faced lie. Because if you could stop, you wouldn't still be doing it. 
And remember this, all addicts, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's sexual content in magazines, whatever it is, all addicts have one thing in common. All addicts have lost control of their will. And the first thing every addict has got to do, they've got to get control of their will. How many times have I had men and women sit in my office and say, oh, I prayed and asked God to take this away from me and, and God just hadn't done it. No, God didn't pour that stuff down your throat to start with. Do you know that? God didn't uncap the bottle. God didn't pour it down your throat. And that's not how you're going to get victory over it. You, you, you got The Bible says you've got to resist the devil. You've got to flee from him. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And you've got to say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that anymore. It's over in my life. And it is painful and it's agonizing. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Sin will take you farther than you ever intended on going. Sin will keep you longer than you ever intended on staying. Oh, boy. And sin will cost you more than you ever intended on paying. Remember the example of Solomon? Sin blinded, I mean Samson, excuse me. Sin blinded Samson. Sin bound Samson. And sin buried Samson. And then I want to make one other thing that several, the devil can tell you you can play around with. And that is with the occult today. I'm amazed at the occult that's in our society today. It's, it's, it is glorified and, and is being promoted in, uh, through, through, the, through the Hollywood and all the movies and this kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, you better stay away from it. You better stay away from it. Sean Sellers, who at the age of 15 had started playing around with the occult. And one night he decided after his parents were gone, had gone to bed, I'm going to walk up to the corner convenience store and get me something and so he said, just in case, I'm going to take my dad's pistol with me. And he went and got his dad's pistol and stuck it in his back pocket and walked to the convenience store. And his testimony was, after I got what I wanted there, he said, just something said to me, it'd be so much fun, why don't you shoot that clerk right there? And so he reached in his back pocket as though he was bringing out a wallet and he pulled out a gun and he shot that clerk right there. And he laughed at it and he started walking back home. He said, he, when he went home, he said, when I got to the front door, he said, something just said to me, you ought to go in there and you ought to shoot your mother and you ought to shoot your dad. And he said, I went in there and he said, I stood over the bed and they were asleep and I put the gun right to the forehead of my dad and I blew his brains out and then I did the same thing to my mother. I blew her brains out before she could respond. Now that at this point in time in his life, he said it all got started because I got started in the occult. And I'm going to tell you something, the Harry Potter series are not good for your kids. Ouija boards are not good for your kids. Dungeon and Dragons are not good for your kids. Anything like that, stay away from it. The Bible says flee youthful lust. Don't indulge yourself into it. I'm going to tell you something. Sin will cost you more than you ever intended on paying. It'll hold you longer than you ever intended on staying. It'll cost you more than you ever intended on paying. It's painful, painful, painful. Last thing, and I'll be through. Another lie that Satan wants you to believe, and that is you can get saved whenever you're ready. Oh, you can get saved anytime you're ready. That's a lie from the devil. You know, I found out a long time ago, there's a lot of people who sit in the church pews who in their heart and soul, they've been dealing with this thing, I know I'm lost, I know I need to get saved, but not, not now, not now, not now. What, what, what do people think about me? Who cares what people think about you? I, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather get saved and go to heaven than I had to die and go to hell for anybody. 
I remember one Saturday morning, I was making some visits. And this particular morning, it just worked out to where I didn't really have a partner to go with me, so I, I was just going by myself. And I stepped up on the ledge of this house, and, 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 and I knocked on the door. And a young lady came to the door. This was about, oh, 10.30 in the morning. She came to the door, and I said, hi, I'm, I'm Rick Carter. Told her that I was from, you know, the church. And, and I said, is your mom and dad home? I'd like, I'd like to meet your mom. And she said, no, they're not home. I'm the only one home. And so I said, well, why don't you step out here on the porch? I'd like to talk to you just for a minute. And the young girl, 18 years of age, stepped out there. I began to witness to her. I, said, I asked her, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? She said, no. I said, if I could take the Bible and tell you how you could go, would you be interested? She said, yes. I took my little New Testament out of my back pocket, and I began to show her the Scripture standing right there on her front porch, standing on a busy street right there. Actually, it was a four-lane street went through there. I began to show her how to get saved. I came down to the end of it, and I said, do you believe what God has said here? Do you believe God loves you? Yes. you believe you call in the Lord, God will save you? Yes. I said, do you want to ask the Lord to save you today? I've never forgotten this. She looked at me and she said, I want to be saved and I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to do it today. She said, I want to live a little bit and then I want to get saved. 18 years old, just the night before he graduated from high school. I want to live a little bit first and then I want to get saved. I couldn't believe it, what happened that night. She and some of her friends went down on Highway 90. And Highway 90 running through Biloxi and Gulfport. There's big arcades and big slides and big bumper cars and big theme parts like that down there. And this girl and about four or five other young people, some boys, some girls, they all went down there that night and had the time of their life. And sometime between 10.30 and 11 o'clock, they decided, let's just go across the street. Let's go over, go over on the beach and we'll walk up and down the beach before we go home. And so they go down to the, and they're standing there. And of course, Highway 90 is a four-lane highway and his cars are busily going back and forth. And no one really knows. Did someone actually bump her and she fell off or did her foot slide off the curb? But she fell right in front of a car. Not even, not, not hardly 12 hours when she said, I want to live a little bit and then I'm going to get saved. You see, I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart, that's time it is to get saved right there. Don't, don't put it off. When you feel the Spirit of God tugging at your heart and soul, it's time to get saved. John 6, said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not, a, I'm not a countenance in any shape, form, and fashion. I believe in whosoever will, but I can tell you one thing. Aside and apart from the work of the Spirit of God drawing in your life, you will never get saved. But the Spirit of God has come to seek and to save. Jesus said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. And when the Spirit of God speaks to your heart and says, you're not saved, you need to get saved, you need to get saved, the Spirit of God didn't, didn't, touch, didn't knock at your door and say, you need to get saved so you'll do it tomorrow night or the next night. He did it so you'd get saved right then. We had a big day at our church. I had four teenage boys that came and the auditorium was packed. It was packed. And they, they came and sat on the front row. And I gave the message and asked the people who are unsaved, you just let me pray for you. And these four boys raised their hand. They were all just high school age boys. 
Man, I, I plead with them. I did everything I could to plead with them to give their heart and soul to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I said, I want us to sing one more verse. And while we were singing that verse, I, I went down off the platform and I, I gathered these guys around me. I, I did like this right here. And I said, guys, all four of you raise your hand. You're not saved. Wouldn't you not, why don't you get saved right here this morning? And three of those boys looked to the one boy who I guess was the ringleader. And he said, well, preacher, we'll come back next Sunday and we'll do it next Sunday. I pleaded with them. They said no. They went out. They got in a little Volkswagen, had surfboards on top of it, headed to the beach. Didn't get more than a few miles from our church. An 18-wheeler ran a red light. All four boys, I preached their funeral. All four boys, who not just a few minutes earlier that said, not today. I'm telling you today, I don't tell you that to scare you, but I'm just telling you, don't, get, don't, don't think you're going to see the sunrise in the morning. One of the lies that Satan will tell you is this right here. You, oh, you got plenty of time to get saved. You don't need to do it here. Don't do it now. Let me tell you something. If you don't do it when the Spirit of God is drawing you, you won't do it. The Spirit of God has got to draw you to salvation, and the Spirit of God is drawing you tonight if you're here and you're not saved.